Are you a mother, father or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Bimi because it's informative, educative and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour. The program for caring parents. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a fresh episode of Ask the Pediatricians Hour. I am Bimi Salaboide. I'm a pediatrician and I'm your anchor for today's broadcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on whichever platform you're listening or watching me today. Uh, thank you to those of you joining us from Facebook, from YouTube, and from Instagram. And for those who are listening on Fresh Waves Radio, as well as our podcasts, Ask Dr. Bimi ATP Podcast Platform, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And if today's your first time, uh, we especially want to welcome you. Ask the Pediatricians, our is a program uh, devoted to providing health education and information about important health issues that affect our children. And we have this program every Thursday, 10 a.m. West African time. But you can always listen to past episodes on the same platform you're listening to now or you're watching on so if you want to watch all the episodes we've had this year so far, you can go back to the podcast or our Facebook page or our YouTube channel or our Instagram uh, TV channel as well. So just uh, look out for our links, which is showing on the screen, and you can always watch previous episodes. And if you have any questions on today's topic or past topics that we've handled on this program, you know you can ask your questions by going to Ask the Pediatrician's Facebook group uh, from Mondays to Saturdays, and you can put your questions there, and we'll try our best to approve them, and we'll also answer them. And you can also email us on askthepediatricians at gmail.com as well, and we'll try and answer your questions as soon as we can. So thank you so much for joining us today. And today I'm going to be talking about hair infections. Uh, this year I've decided that we should be talking about common things, you know, like we used to say in medicine, common things occur commonly. So it is important for us to know about these common issues that as parents, as caregivers of children, we tend to face every day. And as you can see, for those who are watching, uh, those who are listening, we are seeing it on the flyer. So they were talking about hair infections. I mean, these are some of the most common infections in children. So it's important for us as parents to know what they are, uh, how they happen, what causes them, what are the symptoms uh, that will help you to know that this may be ear infections and then how do we treat it and how do we, more importantly, like we always like to do on ATP, how do we prevent because we really emphasize a lot on prevention. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. However, before we go into the main topic itself, I would like to show you a picture for those who are watching, uh, for those who are listening, just use your imagination. So this is a picture of our hair. And we have two hairs, uh, but most of us need to know that that part that we can see that is not where, that's not all that is to the hair. We actually have three parts to the hair. We have what we call the outer hair, we have the middle hair, and we have the inner hairs. So um, the outer hair is that flap 
of cartilage that we can see outside. You know, that is the part that most of us we touch. That's the part where we put earrings and stuff like that. So that is the outer hair. And it leads into a long canal. We call it hair canal. Some of us, you know, if you put your finger or for those of us who like to put cutting board, that thing, that long uh, space where you put that thing, um, that is the hair canal, okay? And all those with the part outside and that hair canal constitutes what we call the external hair or the outer hair. Uh, and there's a membrane, we call it tympanic membrane. Uh, if your doctor is looking at your child's hair, we can actually see that membrane with our otoscope. And that membrane separates the outer hair from the inner hair, uh, the middle hair. So the middle hair is the parts where we have some, some bones, some small bones that kind of amplify sounds. They are the one present in the middle hair. And after that, inside, inside, very close to the brain, we have the inner hair, which is where you have uh, what we call the semicircular canals and the nerve, the auditory nerve that actually make us to be able to hear, you know, and which now gets connected to the brain. That is where you have that, you have the cochlear and all that. So that is the inner ear. So most of the time when we're talking about hair infections, it tends to be limited to the external hair on the middle hair. Most of the time for the external hair, we often can see it. You can see either the wound or the pulse, you know, on the external hair, uh, the outer hair that we've talked about. And that we tend to call it otitis external. However, most of the time when we tend to use the word here, infection, we're often talking about the, the one in the middle here. So that is, uh, sometimes we call it otitis media. So we're talking about infection of the middle here because that you may not be able to see it unless the the this membrane or uh, the hair drum as we call it has ruptured and then the pores are coming out into the external hair and then you can see it otherwise most of the time you won't see it you may see a bulge but you won't be able to know what is going on inside so i hope i've been able to refresh your memory of the um anatomy of the hair because it's so important for us to know that even though i'm going to be talking about hair infections and hair infection can affect the outer hair uh that's the part you can see but it can also affect the Mostly, when we talk about hair infections, we're actually referring to the infection in that middle part of the hair. So those are the areas that we we are going to be talking about, so that we can understand how what we're talking about. So let's talk about hair infection. What is an ear infection. I guess that is very simple. And I think I've tried to, even in my anatomy, I've kind of alluded to what we meant by ear infection. So infection basically means it's multiplication um, of germs in a particular part of the body. So last week I talked about urinary tract infection, and that is multiplication of germs in the urinary tract. And so when we're talking about infection, we're talking about changes that occur due to multiplication of germs, usually most of the time bacteria in the part of the hair affected. If it is the outer hair, we call it otitis external. If it is the inner hair, we call it otitis media, you know, the middle hair infection. And anyone can get hair infection, but of course it tends to affect children more. And obviously at one point or the other, every child may have had an ear infection. And like I said, for the otitis external, it's very easy for us to know because we can see, we can see what look like wound or pores or something on the outer hair. Whereas for the otitis media, most time we cannot see anything because the multiplication of the germs and the buildup of uh, water, fluid, or pores, they are behind the hair drum. Uh, so you, they can make it to bulge, but you won't be able to say, but they are behind the hair drum. So that is what we meant by uh, hair infection. 
And most times it's very common in children, very, very common. In fact, at every point in time, uh, five out of six children would have had at least one ear infection by the time they are uh, three years old. So it is, a, it is one of the most common reasons why parents come to the doctors, especially towards the pediatrician. So ear infection uh, is one of the most common reason for presentation uh, at the pediatrician's uh, clinic or even to the general doctor. So it is very important for us to know about it. And like I said, the medical jargon for it, we call it otitis media, but you can also just say hair infection. Now, the next question is, what are the symptoms? Uh, how do you know if your child uh, is having hair infection. So the symptoms you will see uh, depending on which part of the hair is having the infection. So like I said, this is the external hair, I guess we tend to see it. And even for the middle hair, you know, the, the middle hair, there are different types of infection that can even happen in the middle hair. You can have what we call the acute otitis media. You know, when we use the word acute in medicine, we are talking about something that is happens suddenly something that's just happened over a few hours or a day of days so it's just something that just happened now so it's hackers and that's the most common one so when we talk about hair infection for the very first time most of the time it is just acute otitis media and it is the most common part of it and in this one there's a lot of concentration of germs and there's water um that is trapped behind the eardrum and so the child will tend to complain of hair pain and uh, my hair i'm having pain and of course the children may also have fever those are the symptoms you see with the acute otitis media now sometimes you can also have this otitis media with what we call effusion and the uh, this tends to happen when if the acute one is not quickly uh dealt with and then there's water you know, that is trapped behind the eardrum. And so we, we doctors will be able to see it with our otoscope, you know, that special instrument that doctors used to put in our children's ears when we go to the hospital. And that is the otitis media with effusion. And uh, you can also have what we call the chronic otitis media. So when we say chronic in medicine, we're talking about something that's been going on for a long time. So we're talking about uh, in chronic otitis media, it is infection has happened over and over again and the water is just kind of permanently remaining in the hair and even when there's no infection there's a lot of water in the hair or sometimes we tend to call it glue hair and sometimes it can affect the children's ability uh, to hear so those are the different types of um, uh, otitis media uh, but you you as parents will not need to worry yourself about that but the reason why it's important is that it determines how we can uh the management for it which we will talk about when we talk about how do we treat you know uh hair infections so how do you know when your child has hair infection i think that's what most parents want to know the in very young children what they tend to do is that they tend to pull on their hairs so once you see your children who appears to be ill who appears not to be feeling well they are always pulling on the hair as if you know and most parents you know what i'm talking about you're like what is wrong with this why is the child pulling on the hair it could be a symptom or a sign of hair infection, or sometimes the children are just fussy, they are just not comfortable, and they are having pain because the toddlers, especially our prefabber children, children who are not yet talking, uh, they just cry and cry and cry, and then they may be pulling on their hair. So you see a child who is crying, a toddler who is crying, who is pulling on their hair, that may be a sign of hair infection. Also, they may have fever. So usually most infections, tends to come with fever uh, and sometimes uh, for the older children they may not have fever but the younger ones tend to have fever so they have fever they are pulling on their hairs they are falsy they are 
crying or they are not able to sleep, you know, you have to start thinking, oh, is there an ear infection going on? For the older children, they're able to tell you, they're able to tell you, my hair is paining me, I can feel, you know, my, you know, the, or I, I'm, I'm having an headache. So you're able to quickly narrow it down. But for the younger ones who are not able to talk, you may not be, they may not be able to talk, but their actions through pulling on the hairs, the fever, the their fussiness, the crying may alert you to the fact that they are having hair infection. And sometimes you can see, you know, if the infection has caused a kind of rupture the hair drum, you can actually see the pulse coming out. And sometimes this is why most parents even notice that ah, my baby's hair is bringing a discharge. There's hair discharge, there's water, or there's pulse coming out. And that may be another sign. Of course, usually when children have hair infection, there's a lot of water, a lot of buildup of fluid behind the hair drum. So they may have trouble hearing. So you're telling, calling them or trying to talk to them and they can't hear you or they're telling you you need to put on the TV louder or they can't hear even though you are standing right next to them, talking to them. It may be a sign of infection as well, you know. And also because the hair is not just the organ for hearing for us to to appreciate the sounds uh, that people are passing across to us. It's also our organ of balance. This is the head. We have what we call the festivaler canal, you know, they are inside the inner hair. They are actually part of the inner hair as I was showing us earlier. And they are responsible for making sure that we know where we have, how we are balanced. So when you shift yourself, you know, you, they will help you to get back to to the normal posture so you are aware where you are so it's the organ of balance so when children have problem in the inner ears um, or hair infection in the middle which can affect the inner ears as well they may have problem with the balancing and you know they feel as if they are dizzy as if they're going to fall so those are the signs that we may sometimes see uh in children when they have um hair infection so uh it's very easy most time for parents to be able to figure out that their children have hair infection especially for the older children they have a fever they are complaining of hair pain hair ache you can see pus coming out of their hair i mean it's very easy for the younger infants sometimes you need to be more uh suspicious so you have to be watching but most of them also pull on their hairs as well or you may see the discharge coming from their hairs so you may suspect it i really need to pause at this point to say there's a difference between um uh hair wax and the pores that we see in children who have infection because sometimes parents are not always sure and a lot of parents sometimes think oh there's discharge coming out whereas just wax so the wax tends to be more brownish it tends to be thick you know and you know it can be darker sometimes depending on how long it has been there you know so we can see that you see it build up whereas pores tend to be yellowish it can be greenish can be whitish you know and in addition to the discharge that you can see other symptoms the fever the pain and all that another signs which doctors sometimes do that even for children who are not pulling on their hairs when you pull their hair you know which you see doctors do that sometimes when you go to the, the children will have pain so even the child is not complaining of pain before or you will notice that anytime actually for very observant parents you notice that anytime they are playing with their children they their hands go to that yeah the child kind of wins and you know shows that the child is in pain again that may be another sign or symptom of hair infection even for children who are not even complaining earlier so those are the symptoms so it's very easy for us most of the time to know but sometimes you know just like in many other infections in children sometimes they may not be very clear they may just have fever does and we as the doctors have now to figure out where is this infection coming on. And that is one when you go to the hospital, you see us trying to look in the ears. Even when you have not complaining of hair pain or anything, we still look. 
with our otoscope or horoscope, depending on which one you want to call it, we look, so there's that kind of like a touchlight that the doctor puts in the child's ears. We look again, uh, just because sometimes we may, you may not, the child may not have, may not have expressed uh, those symptoms of hair pain, hair ache, or hair, there may not be any discharge, but the child is having fever and we're trying to figure out what is causing this fever, the infection. One of the places we always look is in the hairs. I talked to us last week about checking the urine as well. So we always do urinalysis just to make sure there's no urinary tract infection. Another thing we should not forget to check is the ears. Another thing we should not forget to check is the throat. But uh, maybe I'll talk about throat infection at that time. All right. So what causes infection? Just like we said earlier, it is germs. But usually for the hair infection, it is mostly bacteria. Sometimes it can be other organisms, other organisms like viruses, even fungi. They can also cause hair infection. But majority of the time, they are due to bacteria infections. And there are different kind of bacteria uh, organisms that can cause the infection. Um, we have different types of them. I don't want to go into uh, naming them, but you have things like the strep, cocos bacteria, the hemophilus influenza type B bacteria. Those are the kind of common bacteria that are uh, that can cause hair infections in children. Um, you will not, you will know why I'm mentioning some of those things because luckily for us, we have some uh, vaccines against some of these uh, organisms that can cause um, hair infection. So, um, also if children have other infection because the Respiratory tracts, they kind of linked together. So the ears, the throat, the nose, they kind of open into the same uh, pathway. So sometimes it, an infection may start from somewhere else and end up in the hair. So it may start from the throat and it can migrate to the hair or it can start from the nose and get to the hair because they are kind of linked together. So um, that is, or it may even be a different thing, like a virus causing infection in the throat, in the nose. And then when it gets to the, yeah, to the, to the common area of location, then it can end up, you know, tracking to the hair. So that is how uh, children are predisposed to uh, hair infections. And there are many reasons why children Compared to adults, I, I know I, I we have noticed that children tend to have hair infections more than adults. You know, I'm sure most of us cannot remember when last we have hair infections as adults, but our children tend to have set reasons. Uh, if we go back to the anatomy, which I showed us earlier, let me see whether I can put up the picture again. Um, the there is the tube in the hair that's um uh that's the children have this we call it ustachia tube which is like the drain you know so anything coming to the air says what i says you know, they kind of go out through this ustachia tube uh, don't worry so much about the medical jargon but just for you to know that in children those tubes are smaller compared to adults so it's make it more difficult and you know it, it's making more difficult for water or anything getting through the ears in children to drain out compared to that of adults so and that is i know you have water staying which is one of the things we always emphasize keep the hairs of children dry keep it dry keep it dry because if water enters into their hairs it's more difficult to get rid of it and once the water stay longer it is easier for germs to you know stay and then they can have um yeah, infections. Also, when children have colds, you know, children are prone to having viral infections causing, you know, catar cough and all those things. The station tube gets swollen. And when it gets swollen, it gets more difficult for it to actually do its work of draining our water. So it's make it easier for 
infection again to happen within the hairs. Also, children' immune system have not as uh, effective. You know, it's still developing. Where the children are still learning how to fight these infections as they're getting exposed to them. Whereas adults have had long, many years of practice. They've developed lots of antibodies and immunity against some of these infections. Whereas for children, it is not as effective. So children tend to have infections more than adults more and also especially within the hairs and also children have what we call adenoids we all have adenoids but in children it tends to be very big and sometimes it can the adenoid can also trap um, bacteria germs and that will cause chronic infections because it's closer to the area where the tubes you know like i told us the all the uh organs the hair the nose and the throat they are kind of connected together so infection from one area can take it tend to spread to the others so these are the reason why children are prone to having uh, ear infections more than adults all right so for those who are just joining us welcome we have been talking about hairs and hair infections in children i've just shown us an anatomy of the hair we have the outer hair the middle hair and the inner hair when we talk about hair infections most of the time it's actually the middle hair but you can also have external hair infections as well and we are talking about the symptoms that you see fever hair pain hair ache hair discharge um trouble sleeping and all that those are symptoms that children can have uh, when they have hair infections and hair infections are mostly caused by bacteria uh germs now how do we as doctors make a diagnosis of hair infections uh again hair infection is one of the easiest conditions for doctors to diagnose so number one the symptoms are always obvious uh so hair pain hair ache fever you know we start we start to think of hair infections and even when children don't complain of these symptoms we also have a very good instrument that we can use and you see that most of the time when you go to the pediatrician's office they are always looking in the children's ears and throats because it is easy for us to see there are changes that we will see in the hairs where when we put the uh, oroscope or otoscope into the hair we uh, we want to see you know whether there's anything happening behind the hair drum you normally when you shine light on the hair drum it will reflect light it's supposed to be shining so but when there's you know, infection, there's a lot of water or pores behind the hair drum. It looks dull or it can be bulging. You can see that it looks red, it's bulging. You know, sometimes it's already even ruptured and you can actually see the pores, you know, coming out of the hair. So this is what the doctor will see. And immediately we say that we are sure that this child has hair um, infection. So it's very easy for us to make a diagnosis of hair infection. And sometimes we can, if there's pores already coming out, we can take a, a swab, we put a little bit of, um, you know, that uh, uh, like a, uh, what do you call it? It's like um, a, a, a probe, something that has like a little contable at the, at the end of it. And we you know, like your cutting board, but it's not a cutting board, but something like that, where we where we a stick or swab, where we can just stick a little bit of that, whatever is coming out, and we can send it to the lab for them to test for us. And but sometimes if there's no discharge, we don't need to do that. Once we see the fever, the symptoms, we can look into the hairs, we can see the the changes in the hair drum, then we are pretty comfortable to know that this child has hair infection and of course the treatment for hair infection is antibiotics you know if it is most of the time uh um if it is uh, like i said most of them are caused by bacteria and so what we normally do is to give antibiotics to the child and depending on the kind of bacterial germ that we're suspecting we also have an idea of the 
kind of antibiotics we can prescribe. And like I also told us last week, please let's make sure we complete the antibiotics treatment. Sometimes some hair infections are due to viruses and they are not due to uh, bacterial germs. So sometimes your doctor may not want to give antibiotics. So don't, because I know some parents always want to like, why is my child not giving antibiotics? So if your child is suspected to have a viral cause to the uh, ear infection, they may just say, let's watch. Actually, most of those children don't have fever. They may just have a little bit of hair pain and just give them peristemol and they'll be fine. But if there's pain, there's fever, there's changes when they examine the hair, and then the doctor will likely suspect it's an, a bacterial ear infection and they're going to give their child antibiotics so we tend to start with simple antibiotics you know um usually we start with something like amoxil you know something very simple and that's what we do the reason why i'm saying that is i know a lot of parents especially for those in africa where uh, we have easy access to antibiotics some of us just go to the pharmacy or chemist shops as we call them and we just take all these antibiotics. And some of us go for the, the big guns, you know, people start going for things like augmenting, like synapse. These are very strong, powerful antibiotics that we should not use anyhow. Reason is that if your child does not respond to the simple antibiotics, that is when we'll be going to those very powerful antibiotics. But if we use those powerful antibiotics, it indiscriminately uh, our children are likely going to develop what we call antibiotic resistance and um, it may not even work for them and that is more trouble because then we now start looking for something more powerful which means more expensive which means not let not readily available to treat the infection but so uh again stressing the need that the fact that you know that oh is there infection or at least it's not probably me actually my child has all the symptoms actually just go and buy the antibiotics please don't okay let's be good steward of antibiotics in 2024 uh don't just go buy antibiotics you have to see a doctor all antibiotics have to be prescribed okay because number one some children could be allergic to certain antibiotics so some children have what we call penicillin allergy so your doctor will not give you drugs that your child will likely react to. So these are important issues when it comes to drugs, which is why as parents, we cannot just go and buy any drug by ourselves. We need we ask you those questions. We need to know. So if your child has penicillin allergy, we're not going to prescribe um like amoxicillin, for example. So, and there's a way doctor will ask you questions, what drugs has your child reacted to before? And we will be able to work it out. So they know that this particular kind of antibiotics should be avoided in your child. Also, the dose of the antibiotics varies depending on the weight of the child, depending on the severity of the infection. That would determine how much of the antibiotics. Everything is not five meals three times a day or five meals twice a day. No, <laughs> the dose depends on the weight of the child and so that is why our doctors have to prescribe the antibiotics we have to give this at the right dose for the right duration and that's why some of us we will go and use antibiotics indiscriminately and then we'll say the child is not better number one we may not have given the right antibiotics. Number two, we may not have given it at the right dose. Number three, we may not have given it for the right duration. You know, so these are things. And of course, there are side effects of medication and there are side effects that the doctor will tell you, okay, we'll just watch or we deal with it, or there are side effects that we have to stop the medication immediately, like if a child is having anaphylactic reaction and, you know, they can die from that. So we have to know that that is why it is not a good thing to just go to the pharmacy and buy antibiotics in places where our pharmacists, you know, are very um, up to the tax. They will never give you antibiotics without a doctor prescription. And they, they also know that. So please, let's make sure that we don't... Um, um, buy antibiotics indiscriminately. Another thing that people tend to do is to go and put some hair drops into the children's hair. So no, don't put hair drops for hair infections unless a 
a doctor asks you to. So most of the time, the treatment is oral antibiotics. We give the drugs by mouth, not by hair drops. So in some instances, we use hair drops, but that is um, something uh, most time the ENT doctors will uh, be the one to tell you uh, what to do. And another thing is in terms of for the pain, I always recommend that we use uh, paracetamol as much as possible. Um, you can use paracetamol, sometimes you can use ibuprofen. I actually am more comfortable with paracetamol for mothers um, because most time, sometimes when children are sick, they are not eating. And when you have to give ibuprofen, the child must eat. You cannot give ibuprofen on an empty tummy okay so but perhaps someone you can give is whether the child is eating or not so that's why i'm more comfortable with ibuprofen i mean paracetamol for parents uh but you can give paracetamol you can give ibuprofen if the child is eating but please don't give aspirin don't the so-called fensic dagger acetylsalicylate uh depending on whatever name different names but uh, the most common name, aspirin, please do not give it to children because when children have infections and you give them aspirin, they can have a very terrible reaction that we call a rice syndrome. And with this rice syndrome, the, the liver just shuts down. You have what we call liver failure and it's a very fatal illness. So we don't want that to happen. Uh, so uh, please don't give children aspirin. Don't give children baby fencing, whatever, don't, don't give them, just give them paracetamol or give them hypoprofene. That's very, very uh, important. Um, so like I said, sometimes doctors, if the doctors are not sure whether if the child is having uh, bacteria here infection, sometimes they may just not give any drug. They may just say, just wait uh, and two, two days, three days and see whether the hair pain will resolve and everything will go away and just give you a profit for the hair pain. And sometimes that is all uh, the children need. But if things are not better or then the doctors may now uh, uh starts in uh, antibiotics because sometimes it is not every hair pain in children that is actually ear infection that is why it is not every time the children have ear pain that they necessarily have ear infection and that is why sometimes if the doctors are not too sure there's actually an infection they may just want to wait it out so don't get upset <laughs> with your doctors or your pediatrician for not giving you antibiotics so they may just want to be very sure so that we don't just give uh unnecessary antibiotics so how long does the children how long do we usually treat the infection for most of them usually within five days they'll be fine uh so most children will be fine and the infection will clear but the the water in the hair itself may stay there for a couple of more a couple more weeks before it will clear um so uh but most of the time the children will be fine um so however we have a group of children which i think most parents want to ask about they have this ear infection over and over and over again so it's like almost you know i've seen parents told me my child's hair is never dry the child is always having hair infection you know so the question is what happens if a child keeps having hair infection over and over again so in such children, we will be suspecting that there are more to it, that there are other risk factors uh, that is making the child to have recurrent ear infections. Just like any other infections, we are going to now start looking out for those uh, risk factors for recurrent ear infection. And even starting from things like where is this child? What's the environment? Are there people smoking? Because we've noticed that uh, Secondary smoking, which is what happens to children when they live around people who are smoking, is even worse. And you know, those kind of children can have uh, ear infections. Also, children who are on bottle feeding, which is one of the reasons we don't, as pediatricians, don't encourage bottle feeding. They are also prone to uh, ear infections. Um, some children may have problems with their hair, you know, with, with the hair drum itself. And they may have, you know, what we call glue hair, persistent hair fusion in their hairs. And sometimes the doctors may have to put in what we call grommets, like a tube to kind of help them 
you know, drain out the fluid in their hair. So sometimes we have to, to do that as well. If a child has adenoids and that is why they are having recurrent infections, not only infections of the tonsils and the adenoid itself, but infection of the hairs, uh, we may consider um doing what we call adenoid uh adenotensinectomy that is taking away the adenoid and even the tonsils you know because that may be the only way how so usually for children who are having recurrent hair infections those are the ones that need to go see the ENT so for your first infection hair infection you don't have to go and see an ENT doctor okay you can see ENT doctors mean hair nose and throats uh, surgeons or doctors. So those are the specialists when it comes to things that have to do with the ears, the throats, and the nose. Uh, so for children who have just one or two episodes of ear infections in a year, your pediatricians are good enough to treat you. Your Even your general practitioner, your family doctors, they will be able to handle that. But if the ear infection is coming over and over again, it's becoming recurrent, the hair is always discharging, those are the children that we want to have a specialist opinion from, you know, about them. And we usually will refer them to the hair, nose, throat surgeons so, so that they can do further evaluation and try to figure out why the recurrent hair infections and then they will be able to deal with it. All right, I'm going towards the end now, which is the most important thing I like to talk about. And that is prevention, because the most important thing, you know, pediatricians, we want, we don't want to treat infections at all. We don't want to treat ear infection. We focus on, we promote things that will not even allow it to happen in the first system. So let's talk about prevention, because like the saying goes, prevention is always better it's always cheaper than cure and of course less painful for everyone and less stressful for us as pediatricians as well so can we prevent ear infections absolutely yes you know ear infections can be prevented because like i said there are things that we can do to reduce I'm, I'm not sure we can completely eliminate ear infections but we can definitely reducing numbers of ear infections that our children we have. The first thing we can do is vaccinate our children. You know, so we have good, you know, vaccines are very important. We pediatricians, we can talk about anything without talking about immunization. So immunization is one of the wonders of the world, all right? What it means is that children don't need to have some ear infections if they already have vaccines that protect them against those terrible germs, those terrible bacteria that can cause infection. So I was when I was talking about the bacteria that can cause their infection, I mentioned Haemophilus influenza type B. We have a vaccine against that bacteria. Um, the Haemophilus influenza type B vaccine is part of the Penta vaccine. So when you take your child for Penta at six, 10 and 14 weeks, you are getting HIV, hemophilus uh, influenza type B vaccine, and it will protect the child against ear infections caused by hemophilus influenza. We also have the pneumococcal vaccine. Pneumococcal bacteria uh, is one of the most common um, bacteria uh, in, in implicated in ear infections, just like pneumonia, not only pneumonia, meningitis, it can also cause ear infections. And so we also have vaccine against that. And we have vaccine against about 13 serotypes. Um, so we don't have vaccine against all the possible serotypes because parents always ask, if my child has gotten this vaccine, how come my child has ear infection? How come my child has uh, pneumonia? The vaccine protect against uh, these bacteria, there are different types of them, you know, they have different what we call serotypes. So um, all of them can cause infections, but we don't have vaccine that covers everything. We have vaccine that covers the most 
terrible of them. <laughs> so we have vaccine that covers 10, we have vaccine that covers 13. I think what we give in Nigeria is the PCV 13. It covers up to 13 serotypes. So it will protect your child against infections caused by these 13 serotypes. But your child can still have infection from other ones that we don't have vaccine against. But at least if we can protect against the one we have vaccine for, I mean, most times the children at least will be significantly protected. Also, we have measles vaccine, which can protect against measles. We can also cause their infection. So immunization is very important in preventing infection. So immunization is not only just for pneumonia, meningitis. Most of those germs that cause these um, uh, serious infections can also cause their infection. So when we give our children immunization, then of course they will be protected against their infection. Another thing we can do is to make sure, you know, uh, when you breastfeed, actually for the infants, we exclusive breastfeed them. Exclusive breastfeeding, one of the reasons why we promote and shout is loud and care is because we know that children who are exclusive breastfed for the first six months of life are largely, largely protected against infections. And one of those infections they are protected against is ear infections. So, and a lot of mothers will ask me whether uh, breastfeeding their babies lying down can cause ear infection. Uh, I think we've addressed that under meats and facts in, ch in child health. Breastfeeding, lying down, sitting up, standing up does not cause their infections, okay? So um, some mothers are not uh, very, you know, the breastfeeding lying down is a skill that you need to know how to do. It's not everybody that know how to do it. That's really for new mothers. So there's a way you have to breastfeed your child lying down. If you don't do it properly and you put the breast milk, <laughs> you know, in the ears or in the nose, then your child, there'll be wetness of the hair. So which is one of, and remember what I told us about the station tube that in children, it is not, the way it is angled and the way it is short, it doesn't allow you to quickly clear any extra fluid. And when there's wetness, that is a good breathing ground for germs and bacteria. And that's what causes infection. So it is not the breastfeeding, it is the poor technique that is causing that. So I always tell mothers, if you're not, sure how to breastfeed lying down just sit up and breastfeed lying down but the breastfeeding itself lying down is not what is causing the ear infection and if you are very good with it you can breastfeed your baby lying down and your baby will be fine and not have ear infection so let's make sure we exclusively breastfeed our babies and breastfeed them for as long as we can it's one of the ways to prevent ear infections another thing is to make sure we keep the ears dry okay i always teach mothers how to bath their babies please don't just pour water all over children <laughs> you know because they are not able to you know regulate that and most of them you know will start either aspirating the water and all that so when you're so it's best not to just pour water all over their head it's really for the toddlers and infants it's better to just wipe their face you know wash their hair backwards and dry it immediately so that what and there are some uh, kind of uh, things that people sell and like caps that you can put on children's hair so that here water does not enter the hair of the children. That's the goal. We don't want water entering the hairs because it's not easy to drain it off. And when the hairs are wet, it makes it easier for germs to multiply. And so we want to keep the hairs dry, but please don't go putting, um, uh, what's it called? a cutting board or whatever. Don't put this in the children's ear because like I showed us in that picture, there's the hair drum is a just a very thin membrane. So when you put all those um, cutting board and all those things in the hair, you can puncture the hair drum. And that is, you have not even opened the gateway for everything to go into the middle here and the inner here, and that's a dangerous thing. It also affects the child's hearing. So please don't put cotton board in the children's ears. Um, if you want to clean your children's ear, you can use your normal handkerchief. You can fold this into like to so form a tip, and then you gently, you know, 
use it to clean out. So it's something soft. It's not going to puncture anything. Unlike the hair, uh, the cutting bubbles of us use is it's kind of pointed, even though it's cutting wool at the end. Sometimes when you're doing it, some of us even use matchstick, broomstick, um, uh, what's it called again? Uh, matchstick and all that. That's very dangerous. Even keys and all that. Don't put all those things in children's ears. Just use something like cloth that is folded to wick. And you just need to clean the external hair. You don't need to go in and in in the inner hair. The hair is self-cleansing. That wax is the hair cleaning itself. And then when it is building up, building up, it will flow out. But occasionally it can become too dry and then kind of find it difficult to come out. What you need to do is just put olive oil, you know, one drop of olive oil in the both hairs for a couple of days. It will soften the wax and then to flow out and on the floor you just clean it that's all you need to do so let's not be putting cutting board and all sort of things in our uh, children here also no smoking around children you know cigarette smoking uh, the smoke tends to destroy uh there are some uh what we call cilia there are some things on the surfaces of the respiratory tracts areas the ears the, the throats and all those places and what those uh, small small tiny they look like broom like cilia do, do is to kind of sweep away bacterial germs and stuff like that so they don't tend to settle on the on the surfaces of the uh the inner hairs and stuff so but if cigarette smoking destroy their job it destroyed that work so it is so it's make it easier for germs to you know penetrate in into the uh the lining of of, of the the respiratory tracts including the hairs and that can now lead to infection so babies around smokers tend to have ear infection so if you're a mother a father you know you have children in your house please don't smoke don't smoke near them okay don't, and it's not just even cigarette smoke even the smoke from our generators smoke from our uh kitchen cooking how the oil frying please let's keep children away from smoke generally let's not put bottles in the mouth of our children to sleep so some people want their children to sleep they put them to bed and then they now put a bottle in their mouth very dangerous thing because it's easier for the uh, the fluids to run the wrong way and go into the hairs, causing it to get um, infection. And then when our children are sick, let's keep them at home. Let's not take them to crash or school because when they have infections and take them to school, they expose other children and then they too now, you know, becomes a vicious circle. So these are the things we can do to prevent yeah, infections. All right. So uh, thank you so much for those of you who have listened to me. I've been talking about hair infection, what caused them, what are the symptoms, and how do we diagnose them, how do we treat them, but more importantly, how do we prevent them? So if you have any questions about hair infections feel free to go to our facebook group if you have not joined our facebook group and you're on facebook then you are not on facebook <laughs> okay all right so you need to join atp on facebook ask the pediatricians you can miss it make sure you join the group and then you can post your questions on our group mondays to saturdays and give us a little bit of time 24 hours for details we'll try and answer your questions and if you want to read more, you can also go to our website, uh, com. We have lots of topics like this that we've handled that you can read to know more. All right. If your child has not been fully immunized, it's an opportunity for you to go take your children for immunization. Remember that immunization also protects your children against hair infection. So thank you so much for listening to me today. And I look forward to seeing you next week when i'll be talking about another important topic that has to do with the health of our children but before then i look forward to uh, reading from you uh looking at your questions and answering them you can also email us accidentations at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful day and remember to keep our children's ears dry and free from infections always bye
Are you a mother, father or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Bimi because it's informative, educative and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour, the program for caring parents.